Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the JWB Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. He's Skylar. I'm Wyatt. Tonight, we are joined by our friends Kevin Coleman and Leo Pasiga. We're going to do some check-ins on some real interesting dynasty players for this offseason. And if you're not subscribed yet, we're about to give you about 10 seconds to do so. He has the hearts of a lot of fantasy players. I like it a lot, honestly. I like I'm I'm in for death, taxes, and the 2022 wide receiver class. I like what you were saying, Skylar. N- no player is completely untouchable. I think you guys really I had not I have not really heard this yet. I listen to a lot of pods and I have not heard this yet. Well done, gentlemen. I'm really impressed. Kevin, Leo, awesome to have you guys back on the show. How are y'all doing? I'm doing good, man. Anytime I hear Dave Wright's voice, it just makes me fuzzy inside. <laughs> so shout out, Dave. I miss you, Dave. But yeah, I'm doing right. good. Thank you for inviting me on. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, same. Doing well. Glad to be here. And this show is always a lot of fun for me because you guys uh, take me out of my comfort zone a little bit. Instead <laughs> of talking strategy, we start talking more about players. And that's always an interesting ride for me. Love it. Love it. So we're going to, first time, we're going to do a little new segment for this show. We asked our guests to bring one player to buy. Give us their pitch. Kevin, you're up first. Yeah, I figured let's just go big, right? I I talked about Anthony Richardson, quarterback for the Colts. Um, You know, look at the current quarterback tiers out there. You know, I feel like he's in that tier two slash three, depending on what you think his upside is from a rushing standpoint. Um, And I'm always one of those guys, you know, we've talked about it on the Dynasty show a little bit that me and Leo did. But if they're in the same tier, if I can get something added to them and and grab them, I will. So, like, for example, Joe Burrow is pretty close like right now in terms of Anthony Richardson. And if I can get Anthony Richardson plus, which I've seen him go for, I just mentioned him on a couple buys, um, shows that I did, where you can get plus for Anthony Richardson on that side. I would take that, especially in four-point passing touchdown leagues with six-point rushing touchdowns because of Richardson's upside there. Um, I think he's a buy. I think that he finds himself in that tier. I think some interesting kind of quarterbacks go into that range, too. When you're just looking at keep Drake cut or whatever, you know, Burrow, Love is QB9. Anthony Richardson's QB8. You're telling me I can tear up from Love to Richardson by adding something? I'll do that all day. So Richardson, to me, is a buy right now. I, I like that call uh, really because like he's one of the players I'm focusing on the most in startup drafts. I want to see where he's starting to fall in those because I think he's a divisive player, you know, uh, Leo, what do we got? Yeah. So I basically what I want to look at is Tank Dell and Nico Collins. And the reason I want to go that route is because with dynasty fantasy football, it's year round. And so you're really talking about four to five months where you're focused on your team week to week. But the other seven months out of the year, that's when it's the time to enjoy your roster. And that's when it's time to be involved with players, get players, add players, keep players so that you can kind of sit back and really love your roster and tweak it and do all the management aspects of dynasty fantasy football. That's really what the offseason's about, right? Evaluating rookies, making trades, getting better. So what I want to do is I want to make sure that I have some components to what I consider to be a real exciting passing game heading into 24. So whether it would be going after potentially Packers wide receivers who may be a little undervalued, but right now for me, the focus would be Dell and Nico. And I wouldn't really sweat the 1A, 1B. I would go after whatever player, whichever of the two players is affordable, a little bit more affordable. Maybe the manager that has that player isn't attached to him in the league that I'm in and, and, and try to maneuver that and at least get one of them because I want a piece of an offense that I'm excited about heading into 24. 
Yeah, CJ Stroud definitely seems like one of those QBs where you just want his weapons, like at all points. Whoever they are, whoever's playing, you're going to want pieces of that. I think in general, it's like with those two wide receivers, you talk more in like the the strategy points where you like to go. If we're going to take names away from Nico and Tank Dell, I really like to look at that entire grouping of wide receivers. For me, it's from like 12 all the mm-hmm. way to like wide receiver 27. This is a really big group. It's right past, you know, our elite names. And for me, I have like Alave, Wado, Ayuka, I think have really proved that they're stable assets as your wide receiver two, whether they perform as wide receiver threes or two, you're, they're, they're, they're lineup lock type guys. But that entire range after, you can have like a 1A part of that tier, of course, which for me is like, Pittman, Smith, London, Nico, Moore, Addison, Higgins. And then you can have that second group, which for me is DK, Dell, Flowers, Rice, JSN, Debo, Pickens, Diggs, Adams. And what you can really do with these two groups is we see the most fluid movement, I would say, year to year between those two tiers, however you want to break it up, however you personally view it. And I think that's where we see the most subjectivity, too, within these rankings. And if you can move within those tiers and you can pick up any bit of the plus like what kevin was saying when he talked to anthony richardson where if you view the tier similar in there you can pick up a plus you can get a second or if somebody's really aggressive and they want to move a first i think it's an excellent place to do it and i think nico and uh dell are two wide receivers that fit right in there of course this is very league dependent it's going to depend what your mm-hmm. league mates what they prefer so we're just kind of taking the names away from it but if you identify the wide receivers you put kind of in that section who you think has the opportunity to move up or down and you can just kind of move fluidly and pick up a little bit of that that plus on top i think it's a really good spot to do this is a really good time of the off season to go and try to make those kinds of moves love that all right let's get in to our main section here checking in on some really interesting players for this off season and first off we've got tajay spears who might be the player who gets some of the most buzz over this off season uh, Dynasty League Football January startup ADP had him at RB18. Right now on Keep Trade Cut, he's up to RB14. Uh, in 2023, he averaged 7.5 half PPR points per game while backing up Derrick Henry, mostly on the back of the 70 targets he got, which was for a 14.2% target share, which is pretty great to see for a rookie. Uh, we also saw like the one little glimpse of Derrick Henry missing part of a game, and they basically gave all the opportunities for their running backs to Tajay Spears in that period of time. Uh, now that's hard to put too much stock into because teams tend to do that when things happen in-game, not necessarily when they're planning for it. But we do know that Derrick Henry is expected to move on. He basically already gave his farewell speech to the Titans fans in their last game, and that's where all this hype is coming from. Leo... Is this a player that should be getting this much steam? How are you feeling? So he's, uh, it's a kind of a conundrum, right? And obviously that's why you picked him because he's somebody <laughs> that generates some, some conversation. So a couple of things in, in taking a look at him, right? Um, he was ranked 15th in running backs in yards per route run. Uh, Pro football focus had him uh, with the eighth highest receiving grade for running back. All plus, if all pluses, if you're playing in points, um, per reception leagues, which most of us do. Um, obviously, somebody to target. Some question marks. You're right. Does Henry come back? Do they bring in, if Henry moves on, do they bring in competition into the backfield? Do they sign a free agent? Do they draft? Um, you've got Brian Callahan coming in as the new head coach, offensive mind. What did he do in Cincinnati? He was able to um, put his, uh, he, he wasn't Arthur Smith, right? He was able to put his players, his offensive weapons, utilize them and put them in a position to score. So that's all trending in the right direction. Really what it comes down to for me is sometimes perception matters more than reality. 
And in this particular given moment, again, every I take everything a little bit with a different lens. Everything for me is context. Everything is generally league specific. I mean, there's layers and layers and layers, but try to talk about this in a vacuum. There's two things that I like that are perception impact with Taja. One is that this is a weak running back class, right? Running backs, the draft class, diamonds in the rough usually present themselves. It's always a, the if a draft class is wonderful, it's really probably a notch below. And if it's horrible, it's probably a notch above. So usually players present themselves. So I think some running backs from this class will end up being bona fide contributors. But right now, the perception is that this running back class is basically very weak, which increases Tajay's insurance level if as an asset because the incoming class is weak. The other piece to this, and, and there's a term I use, and it's it's called sardine insulated. And what I mean by that is sardines swim in schools, a lot big, large schools of fish. So does the fantasy community swims in big, large schools. They tend to be very um, group herd driven in value and consensus usually rules the day. And Tajay is insulated in that regard because right now he's kind of a dynasty darling. There's a lot of momentum behind him. So I think he's a great acquisition for those two reasons or a great hold for those two reasons because he's insulated by a weak draft class, which ensures his value. And he's insulated by just being a dynasty darling at the moment, which will carry his value through the offseason unless you know, Tennessee goes out and drafts the top ranked rookie running back, you know, in the third round. But I, I mean, other than that, there's some insulation built in. And that's what I like when we're talking about a particular value in a vacuum for a player. It's is this player insulated so that I can get my money back, my value back down the road if I need to. So I like him right now as, as someone to either hold or to buy, depending, you know, on that price point. Um, I wouldn't trade the one seven for him, but if I can get him for a late first, combination of two seconds then i'm definitely doing that who, who else is going to give you the sardine analogy other than leo Pasiga? i love <laughs> it but it's a great point about um the running back draft yeah. class you know hey maybe they look after uh, braylon allen get that replacement for Derrick mm-hmm. henry kevin what do you think yeah i think it to me i i took it as like a callahan move like when you're looking at what he was able to do in cincinnati you know, they made Joe Mixon into a pass catching back this year. I don't know if people are aware that the dude had 64 targets and like he just kind of and he, he was nasty as a, a fantasy asset. Let's be honest, like the, the floor was creaking every time we had Joe Mixon in our starting lineup. But he averaged when you're looking at weekly finishes and PPR like, you know, he was good. He was a top 12 back most of the time. Um, and you see that and that's what you like. So from me, I like the target perspective if they do utilize him that way. Like, I think that he can get those. And with these running backs, too, I look at like Leo's perspective, too like context if i'm gonna buy a guy like late first early second in that range at the running back position first i gotta be a contender or at least getting there like i'm not buying it for anything if i'm not in that range but pass catching backs are safe and you're looking at guys that we've seen in this mold singletary some of these these guys that were taking shots on these last couple off seasons uh james cook for example i mean he was cheapish until jeff bell started talking about him um like towards the middle (laughs) of the summer last year like when you're looking at like that generality like these guys are safe for assets to kind of get a first. So we're going to be talking about some other running backs that aren't that safe here in a little bit. Um, but I like Spears. I think from just a offensive perspective, I like what he can do in that offense with his pass catching. Um, and I think he's getting valued fine. I think running back 14 is aggressive, but keep trade cut is always a little bit aggressive. When you're looking at startups, 
He's kind of going around 18 to 22 on a couple of the ones that I saw. I'll buy all day at that price because of perceived value too. If he becomes a starter, you can move him again. Like you don't have to keep him on your roster right. either. There's always right. these little kind of nuances to him. Yeah, we love a pass catching back, right? Uh, Skyler, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, if I was buying it, that's exactly what Kevin said at the end there. I would be looking to move him. I like what Leo said with the draft class. I mean, your concerns on Allen, I mean, he caught, what, seven balls in college? Um, you've got you've got quorum size concerns, Benson, BMI concerns. I mean, there isn't a bona fide RB1 in the class just yet. So when you're looking at that late first, early second, it is good to put to context what you are looking in terms of players there. That's kind of where people lose a little bit of confidence. Uh, that's where they get into, like, Keon Coleman. You got a little uh, bias there, Kevin, with, with Kay Coleman? just curious uh no I, although there is a kevin coleman in college he's my guy he played he oh. played at louisville what so class? he's coming out next year so oh, yeah boy. he's in the transfer portal though so me and him are going to work out our nil deals and uh, okay. we're going to figure out how we can kind of combine that together gotcha yeah but outside of that it's just really tough with tajay spears because there are a lot of factors to go into this it really is kind of like a call your shot type spot and my only problem with it is this move is something we probably should have made a few months ago right with with derrick henry we kind of knew that this was coming and now that we're here the entire community as leo said the entire school of fish is in on tajay spears so it's really hard to make that move i don't think you're going to get him for that late first early second type spot and i agree i'm not spending 107 so i would just air a little bit of caution as much as we're saying the upside could be there and there could be some insulation to tajay spears we're also talking about a back that's job isn't guaranteed the guy has literally no acls so i don't know exactly what the longevity there is even if he does get the role or we can expect him to be able to carry 15 to 20 times a game but there is obviously intrigue to the player but i'm just pump the brakes a little bit. I wouldn't go too crazy. I know a lot of people, when they get excited about a player, it's it's wheels up. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a couple more running backs that we're going to talk about today. We're combining them because they're currently teammates, although they may not be for very much longer. That's Josh Jacobs and Zamir White. Jacobs on Dynasty League Football Start AP was RB14. Zamir White was RB36. On Keep Trade Cut, we've got Josh Jacobs at RB15 and Zamir White at RB31. Started to get seamed up there. Josh Jacobs did have his worst year in points per game in 2023 with 12.5 half PPR points per game. Uh, and he is a free agent. We don't know what's going to happen uh, coming off of that franchise tag. Zamir White has been in the wings waiting. He played fairly well down the stretch while Josh Jacobs was hurt. Averaged 14.1 half PPR points per game in those final four games. So, like, there's stuff to unpack here. It's, is Josh Jacobs moving on? And what does that mean for him? If he does move on, what does that mean for Zamir White? Well, do, do we think that they'll give him the keys to the backfield and just let him do what he did over the last four games? Kevin, what do we think? Okay, so this is this is a tougher one with Jacobs. So when you look at Jacobs, if you just look at overall, he's going to be 26 years old this year, 1,500 touches already. That concerns me a little bit with Jacobs' profile. Like, he's not Derrick Henry. And we've seen Jacobs be a little banged up the last couple of years. We've seen that um, with, it, with you know, just overall. And when you're looking at overall, too, 0.9% of his carries have gained 20 yards since 2022. The average NFL running back, 2.2% of the carries have gained 20-plus yards. So we have seen a decline. So when you're looking at numbers and all of that, 
you do see that. Now, I think the question mark is, does he come back or not? And I think, I think, I don't think the market's going to like Josh Jacobs very much. I don't think he's going to get the contract that he expects out there. So I could see him finding a role back where he comes, especially because they hired uh, Antonio Pierce. I know that they have a good relationship and we could see that. Um, to me, Jacobs is a one-year asset for contending teams that you can go buy really cheap right now. And I don't mind that role. Like I don't mind going out there and getting him. Running back 15 is way too high though. If he's getting valued at running back 15, I would definitely look to sell. Like Jacobs would be that guy that I would try to sell, but that's a weird ranking for me because I, I don't think he's getting value that in real di like dynasty leagues where like someone is actively trying to go get him. I, I, I look at Jacobs as I did Mixon last off season, late second. If I can get him for a mid to late second. Okay. But I'm probably not selling him for that either. So he's in that purgatory range. Um, if I can buy him for that though, I think that he could have one more year where you're good there. Zamir white though, to me is a massive sell. Like if, especially if Jacobs doesn't come back, you know, I, I know there's a week, a week running back draft in 2024, but I mean, I'm doing the rookie guy for football guys. Um, and my main area is running backs right now. So I've watched about 67 running backs in this class and it's, it's pain. It is pain. But <laughs> what I will say is that when you dive into a lot of these guys, they're not pretty and like, they're not like, they're not going to be any standout guys, but they all do have significant roles where they can have you know, they can be thumpers, Marshawn Lloyd for USC, some of these other guys. And I've, I put on landing spots. I put the Raiders a lot because I do think they're going to go after one of these guys. And I think that would eat into Zamir White's kind of workload there. Um, so for me, White is a massive sell, especially after free agency, whatever we think of what Jacobs does. I mean, even now I think he's a sell because I don't really want any part of that offense. You know, I, I don't want anything yet. In, in terms of what they're rebuilding like that the offensive line needs some help there's a lot of things there so i guess i'm saying both are kind of sells depending on the price but with jacobs i don't mind like if i'm a contender i have a late second if someone's willing just to kind of throw it away i think it's worth worth the risk to maybe grab him for one year i, I especially like calling zamir white a sell because i ex didn't expect uh his his you know, ranking to like jump up this high uh, this early when we still don't know what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs yet, because I like the point yeah. you brought up as well about Jacobs, that that connection with Antonio Pierce there at the end of the season, like it would not surprise me if Antonio Pierce just wants more of the same his first year as a full-time NFL coach, bring him back to keep some of that continuity going. Uh, Leo, what do we think? Well, as per usual, I'm pretty much in lockstep with Kevin. Um, honestly, the one couple things I'll say, you know, we don't know who the offensive coordinator is going to be, at least as of this afternoon, we didn't, right? I've heard rumors that it was Chip, yeah. Chip Kelly may potentially interview for it. Um, Luke Getzey, the former Bear uh, offensive coordinator, was rumored to be interviewing for it. Um, Clint Kubiak, 49ers passing coordinator, potentially on the list of people they want to interview. Um, so, I mean, that's a variable that we're not really sure. Just because Pierce is the new head coach, what does that translate when they bring the offensive coordinator in? What does that look like? Um, I do think that with Josh Jacobs, what I feel about him is that he's one of those running backs that we're always chasing our tail on. It seems like I remember two years ago at the live uh, Scott Fishbowl draft in Boston, not this past year, but two years ago, I remember sitting in that um, setting and, and having conversations with people and everybody was like, oh my God, thank God somebody drafted Josh Jacobs because I was going to have to take him if he lasted another two, <laughs> two rounds and I don't want him. So, I mean, that was prevalent throughout the entire draft and look at the year that he had. Then last year it was, oh my God, I got to get Josh Jacobs on my team. You know, he's one of the few bell cows, got to have him on my team. And then disappointment to some degree on, on his performance. So I think we're always 
feels like a year behind whatever he's going to be, we guess wrong. Uh, I like Kevin's point of view that potentially um, if you're a contender, that seems to be a really good um, potential player to add at a reasonable price. I'm out on Zamir. I just, I know he's exceptional at breaking tackles. That seems to be his, the strong suit to his game, but um, there's a lot of areas, other areas that are lacking. And I don't think the Raiders, especially with Pierce in his first year, go into the season thinking he's anything more than a component piece to that offense. And they will either sign a free agent or draft a running. My guess is they sign a free agent. They won't pay Jacobs the price that he wants unless, unless the market is so bad, he comes back at a reasonable price. Um, but I do think that Pierce in his first year may lean a little bit on a veteran presence in the backfield, splitting carries with, well, again, that's just complete total speculation. But if I'm a first year coach, I want a little um, experience consistency in that backfield, especially with a new offensive coordinator. So uh, buy uh, Jacobs if I'm a contender and the price is right, but pretty much sell white as long as I can find a buyer, uh, regardless of what the context is on my dynasty roster. Skyler, how are you feeling? Yeah, I think there's a little bit to both of what you guys said. I think both could be true with what Kevin said, where they could target maybe in end of day two, probably more likely the beginning of day three, another back to bring into the room uh, to go alongside these guys. And I do think that Josh Jacobs could also come back and be the guy that they lean on back there where we don't exactly know who's going to be playing quarterback for the for the Raiders. Uh, and I could see them very much bringing Josh Jacobs back as a guy. It's pretty rare in today's game. What, our leader this year was sub-300 carries? I mean, this guy had still had almost 290 opportunities last season and only playing 13 games. He, I like what you said about Joe Mixon because I've always been in the last couple seasons on Joe Mixon as the community always had that same thing with him where they're like, Oh my God, thank God somebody else drafted Joe Mixon. I don't want him. And he's just one of those guys who's going to get 250, 300 opportunities and it doesn't come pretty. And the ceiling week to week might not just be there, but strictly through volume and the guys are good in the red zone. He just ends up finishing right around RB 12 every single year. You look at their finishes plus or minus both those guys have finished in the same range and I'm not sure to the extent of a late second, the entire group of the 2017 running back class, we've been saying once we hit draft season, I mean, you're going to be drafting who there, Kevin, Will Shipley, Bucky Irving, like, Hey, no Bucky Irving slander on this timeline. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no. probably you're looking at Bucky. You're looking at, I mean, you're probably looking at, you know, a pass catching running back really. Like if I'm going to target a late second guy to the running back position. Yeah. I mean, Braylon might slip there. Like you're looking at, Probably a uh, like I don't know two ten kid where that could catch passes in that range. So um, I don't mind like you said if you can flip him for Josh Jacobs who has maybe two hundred ninety attempts next year or whatever. I think that's kind of the play. That's how I would look at that pick if you can get that. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying with the entire twenty seventeen running back class. Regardless, if we think we're going to get one season where they're a fringe RB1, yes. if you're a competing team, I'm taking that over the running backs that we named in that late second every single time. So I think Josh Jacobs is probably in true value when he gives your lineup as a contender, probably worth that fringe first based on what you're getting in the running back class yeah. for the, this year's class, just like what we were saying with Tajay Spears. And it's just it's just a volume play. I mean, the guy's turning 26. It's not absolute Asian. I agree with what you're saying with injury concerns. He runs absolute mad. But so does players like James Conner. And here we are. How is he like 37 years old? And the guy's <laughs> lingering around in the league. So I do think this is a spot where potentially if fatigue has kicked with Josh Jacobs, you are getting at least at worst, I think a rental here and a potentially a player could hang around for a little bit longer and have a little bit more longevity than maybe you're originally planning. And if he does go to a different team, I would expect him. He's 
going to a spot where he's going to be getting 200, uh, 300 opportunities as well, because no team's going to come in and sign Josh Jacobs without the intent of using him. And then my one comment with Zamir White in a complete agreement where if you can get a second round pick for Zamir White, you, you run away with it. But I want to point to something we always say with these backup running backs is to not fall into the trap of extrapolating a small sample size over the course of a season. Even if Josh Jacobs goes, and this will be before the NFL draft or something like that, to just assume that Zamir White is going to come in and get the 17, 22, 20, 25 touches he was getting in all those games, four or five targets in all of those games is ludicrous, right? Because when you have a player like Josh Jacobs just out for a couple of weeks, they may just plug a guy into that kind of role and in the short term, or especially when guys get hurt in game and a guy comes in and does the roles because they, they didn't sit around a game plan for that. But when you have an entire off season to go in, your game plan is not going to be Zamir White to get 25 touches in your in, in the game. We saw this with the players, Alexander Madison. It was the easiest reason why we were saying just don't yeah. fall into this, right? When, when you have the small sample size, where people are like, oh, well, over this three-game stretch, I'm like, well, over those three games, Dalvin Cook missed, and they just needed the guy to kind of do his best job for that one week, right? Chase Edmonds is an example in the past, and uh, I know that those are different types of players, but I just don't like to fall into the trap of thinking, well, if Jacobs does go, this guy is now a bell cow. And they could bring a guy, and let's not forget in college, with Samir White, the receiving back you like in James Cook. I mean, that was what was taking a lot of the opportunities. He had, what, seven? receptions and three years in college and also how many acls did he have in college kevin <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I do like what you're, you said skyler about if he does move on to another team that they're going to sign him to have a similar role to what he had with vegas like i don't think we have a delvin cook situation here when he moves on this if he moves on this offseason but we are going to switch up positions for the last player we're going to talk about today because we're going to quarterback for Baker Mayfield after reviving his career with the Buccaneers. Uh, January, startup ADP from DLF, has him QB 18. Keep trade cut, also QB 18. He had 16.1 points per game in 2023, which is his highest since his rookie year. Now, obviously, 16.1 isn't the best points per game. In one QB leagues, we're not too interested here. But in Superflex leagues, he kind of positioned himself as a solid QB2 for your lineups. He had career high in passing yards, passing touchdowns, completion percentage. He is a free agent after signing that lowly contract for the Buccaneers last offseason. I think he's probably made a home in Tampa Bay. I think he's going to be returning to them. I don't know if he'll have enough suitors outside of Tampa Bay that really want to give him a big contract. It's possible. I'm not going to rule it out, but I do think that it makes a lot of sense for him and Mike Evans to return to Tampa Bay. The question now is, do we have interest in that Baker Mayfield? Can he continue this? Skylar, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's probably mutually beneficial for him to come back to Tampa on a, a contract that's friendly for them, as well as one where he gets a little bit of insurance, right? He played his way into that, in my opinion. I think Mike Evans probably retires a Buccaneer, but even if he goes, it's not like that room is depleted. Chris Godwin is certainly serviceable. I think with Baker Mayfield, he might not be the quarterback 10 moving forward, but that 16 to 18 range he finished for the first three years is something I think he's very capable of. He's, he's not old he's still he's turning 29 over this next year and he's one of those not sexy guys that has the fatigue as well as a guy that at one point was a darling and then had that kind of that fall off where people wanted nothing to do with them and for me baker mayfield and we saw this last season quarterbacks dropped like flies and i want to have three four on my roster sometimes any point i could pick them up for cheap and if you're looking for a way to get rid of a zamir white or maybe you want to sell high on atajay spears and you can get a good pick 
and a Baker. Like these are the type of ways I'd maybe try, go to try to add this guy to my team. You can never have too many of these quarterbacks. He is going to have a job. I think the quarterback 18 ranking is totally fine. Like that's right about where I have him. But I think that that ranking probably isn't indicative of the tier that necessarily he should be in. I think he's probably viewed as a player. Well, maybe a, a second round pick, a high second round pick. And I think in terms of true value, when we look at this class, I think it's hard to argue that he shouldn't be in that late first. You look at the quarterbacks currently that people have there. They're not even guaranteed to go in day one where Baker Mayfield, I think is a guarantee to have a job at least. So Baker Mayfield is a player that isn't sexy, but he's someone that uh, I'm interested in adding. If the league sees this past year is a little bit of a fool's gold. Leo, are you interested in Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I am. I like Baker a lot. I think he's uh, entertaining. And uh, I mean, as a player, I like to watch him. I like to root for him. Uh, younger Joe Flacco, right? Everybody was rooting for Joe Flacco when he came off the couch to lead the Browns. <laughs> and if it's a feel good story to see Baker bounce back after the turmoil and being a journeyman quarterback the last couple of years after coming out so highly touted in college, I, I, the whole story I enjoy. I like, I'm rooting for the kid or the guy at his age. Now he's not a kid anymore. <laughs> um, what I would say is I think, you know, that, explanation was spot on I think right around quarterback 18 where I think you have to be a little careful right is if you're rebuilding in super flex and if you look at the comparable draft picks that you could potentially get what his worth is when you look at some of the um, startup or um, keep trade cut information you know he's right around 2122 somewhere from a value perspective uh, I don't know if that holds but even in that case, the temptation as a content as a as a rebuilding team would be to say, you know what, I want the draft pick. But in this particular class, and looking at potentially super flex quarterbacks that could be available, two one, two two, a JJ McCarthy, a Bo Nix, I'm still thinking the values with Baker. And the reason I'm thinking that is because even if you're rebuilding, there will come a point in time early on, most likely in the season, where a quarterback's going to go down, get injured. And I think that move and Baker's stability, because I think he, especially resigning with Tampa, there's, and I think, I agree, I think that's the route he's going to go. There's stability built in there. And I think that value will permeate any deal that you have to make down the stretch. So I guess my point is as a rebuilding team, don't just automatically say, wow, Baker's the guy I want to flip because I do think that the value will only increase as we get to the beginning part of 24. I do really like that point. I think a lot of rebuilding teams uh, often think I can't buy veterans because well, I'm a rebuilding team, but that's, that's just not the case. There, these discounts can happen where they're, they're worth getting in on even as a rebuilding team. Uh, Kevin, how are you feeling? Yeah, to that point, too, I think uh, I wrote about it recently and I stole it from Leo, but I just take credit for it. But I, I think like when you're buying like veteran guys as you go as a rebuilder is just how you retool. It's super important. And it, 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 if you don't do that, if you think you can't do that, you really narrowly box yourself in as a rebuilder. That means you can only go get these young pieces and these other like assets that people all want. Well, go get the Adam Thielen that you could have got last year, what, for a third or a fourth? You could have flipped him for maybe a late first or a second as soon as the the season started like obviously it's a risk but everything is a risk when you buy these guys just like we talked about with spears and white and these guys so you know i think he hit that on the head like and that's one of those things to always think about as a rebuilding team 
just get dudes that you think have a role next year. It doesn't necessarily matter after that because people are going to be willing to buy contenders. We'll buy all kinds of different assets as the season goes for whatever price we need as injuries happen. As we talked about, look at the quarterback position with Baker. Um, I'm going to be, I guess, the naysayer on Baker a little bit. So sorry, I'm going to be that guy. Uh, I, I, I think it. I... I'm worried about the because the coordinator Dave Canelli's left and he's at he's at the Panthers now and nobody wants that job. The Texas, you know, the Texans, they looked at the quarterback coach over there. He said, nope, I'm staying with CJ Stroud, which probably is a great career move. You stay with CJ <laughs> Stroud. You don't go to Baker again. Um, but I, I worry about what that offense is going to look like. I think they hit lightning in, the, in a bottle this year with Canelli's there. I think that's how you say his last name. And um, like I think with Evans and Godwin, everything was there. Rashad White had a career year. They all stayed healthy, relatively speaking, mm -hmm. and that offensive line stayed healthy, um, which they hadn't really had stayed healthy the last couple of years. So for me, like when I'm looking at it, and there's a guy that I'm going to say, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't like this guy at all, but I have to leave out my personal feelings. Deshaun Watson is sitting there at quarterback like 17 around Baker. I think that I would be, and, and I think that you probably based on league value out there, because no one wants this guy on their roster and people always are trying to sell him. You could probably get Deshaun plus something, probably a second and Baker, maybe a fourth or third. Like you add that to Baker side or whatever. I would probably rather have Deshaun moving forward. I know he's been a dead carcass. I know he hasn't looked great and I understand the off field stuff. But I kind of believe more in what that offense is going to be. They have to build around him. I thought grabbing, um, oh, why can I? The offensive coordinator, uh, Ken Dorsey from the Bills, was a great grab for them. I think they can build around them um, there. And that is like a piece, a guy that I would actually like to maybe grab. If I'm a contender and I'm looking to pivot a little bit and get some added value back, he's in that tier for me. I'm comfortable going and grabbing. Now, it's, it's a quick tier. I think Bryce is in that tier, but that's kind mm -hmm. of a risk. Goff, maybe you have to pay a little bit more up for Goff, but yeah. Watson to me feels like that guy where if I can, if I want to move off of Baker, if I'm worried about that offensive system, I'm okay going and getting plus for Watson. Um, trying to get Mayfield off my roster. Now I say that with a caveat. I understand Watson's got the off-field stuff, but just looking at a pure fantasy perspective, that would be a guy I wouldn't mind flipping for him. Yeah, I, our listeners won't be new to hearing Deshaun Watson. Uh, not appreciation because we don't necessarily root for yeah, the guy for, for Donnie. So we've always kind of been in on this. It's a little yeah. bit of a dip. So, I mean, if you can move from Baker to Deshaun, I absolutely like that. My other thing with Deshaun is I, I found it really difficult with him because the value you see on a website, like keep trade cut that pushes him way down is the 95% of the people who want nothing to do with him. Yeah. But the one manager who has them in every league, either, decided to take the risk on them or they've held them for like four yeah. years and yep. they're not where keep trade cuts. Like you can go send the two Oh three, the two Oh four for Deshaun Watson. And it's like, that's just not going to happen. I'm right there with you. I actually, to the same, what I said about Baker and I, I'd be more aggressive with Deshaun. I mean, if I can send my one ten, my one eleven, and get Deshaun, I'm doing it every single time. Yeah. I, I Kevin, I'm like really happy you said that because honestly, I hadn't checked where Deshaun Watson was in the market recently. So I decided I've got start uh, DLF startup AAP right now. He went QB 23 there on yeah. on keep trade cut right now. He's QB 19 there, both after Baker Mayfield on both sites. Boy, I'd, I'd, I'd rather do that. That's a lot much higher, higher ceiling potential in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that, I yeah. mean, that's what I'm looking at. Sorry. I, I think that's just yeah, how I it. look at these guys. And, and again, I stole that idea a couple of years ago in terms of like, 
I, I have all my tiered rankings. I know you guys do tiered rankings as well. Cause I, I listen to your content. Um, and like, I have my tiered rankings and then I just kind of identify, I mean, me and Leo are going to talk about how to like kind of set up those tiers in the next show that we do. But like, I just identify guys. I kind of highlight them in my weird, I'm terrible with spreadsheets, but I, I highlight them <laughs> the way that I need to of like, Hey, I am willing to go up and get this guy. Cause he's in the same tier. But then I also do highlight, like, what is he out there value? So I'll have creep trade cut value fantasy calc is another one that I like doing kind of seeing where trades are going for not all of them are great and not all of them are right i don't know what's going on in some of those leagues but like i like to kind of pinpoint okay what deals are being made there and like hey would i be willing to take that risk do i have that ceiling for watson where i think he could elevate himself now i might have mud on my face at the end of it or or hey maybe like you know um skyler's talking about like maybe i do have to give up a late first or an early second with baker to go get watson and then maybe throw give me somebody give me an asset that's just kind of down elijah moore somebody that's a throw in to where maybe they have a little bit of value back end um and and do that but that's kind of how i look at these guys i don't really like for a lot of these guys they're assets to me i don't necessarily like fall in love with guys and want to keep them on the roster i mean everybody knows i love jameer gibbs but if i had a price and someone gave me an offer i would trade jameer gibbs in a second like i don't look at it as like i have to keep these guys um and that's kind of how i feel about kind of these assets baker deshaun these guys if where the values at their same tier yeah i'll off i'll offload them yeah before we wrap up on those two i just do want to say baker mayfield is a quarterback too for your team deshaun watson he still has it in him, I believe, to potentially be a quarterback one for your dynasty team. That's just, it's still an upside Baker doesn't have. Whether you value them the same or differently, that, that's the key difference. I, I think the key is you have to believe that he still has quarterback one upside. And, and I don't, like personally, I don't. I, I mean, I'd like to see the Browns get that type of quarterback play from him, despite, you know, the quarterback, his off-field issues. I'd like to see them have a franchise type quarterback to to just move forward i just don't the combination of the skill not deterioration but just absence over the course of the last year and then just the odd injury i'm not gonna play i'm gonna play i'm all of that to me just is such a cocktail that i'm just not convinced that you know, that's the route I want to go. So obviously if I'm a Deshaun Watson manager and Kevin's, you know, knocking on my door and he's, you know, looking to get him and I'm happily, I won't even ask him for that extra bump in the trade. <laughs> I'll make it, I won't even <laughs> squeeze him. I'll make that move. But I mean, that's what makes dynasty, you know, the, the whole format. So, so much fun. And so, uh, that why we have so much enthusiasm for it is because you're going to have managers that feel the way that we do. And, and it makes for uh, negotiations that are already there. You know, you just have to knock on the door and, and make it happen. Yeah. To your credit, Leo, like while I still believe he has that potential, it is certainly getting much harder to still believe in that potential the longer this goes on. But Boys, this was great. I appreciate both of you all for coming on and joining us this offseason to talk some more. Dynasty, it's always a pleasure to have both of you on this show. But before we got it, get out of here, please let everyone know where they can find you, all your work, your new Dynasty show you have out. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead, you Kevin. Can, yeah, you can just find us. Uh, you know, I, I just want to plug Decipher Dynasty. You know, we're going to dive into it uh, bi-weekly over on the DevRel YouTube channel. Uh, where me and Leo kind of, we go live. Uh, we we talk about kind of different theories. We only have one show, so I, I'm kind of biting off more than I could chew here and talk about what we're going to talk about. But we're diving into the tiers. There's different ways to look at Dynasty because um, I find it, especially on our YouTube channel, like we know what gets clicks, buy, sells, those type of things. And like, we get it. But I, I definitely think that there's a spot for like, you know, 
theory. Leo's one of the smartest guys that I know in terms of that. Um, and, and we're just trying to bring something new, you know, just, I mean, not new. Cause that's a, everybody, there's people out there that have that too, but different perspective. Leo really dives in. I mean, he was talking about fish or some shit earlier in this show. Like <laughs> I don't have no idea about, I mean, I'm not talking about that, you know, and, and I will remember giving, that sardine analogy. Yeah. Uh, oh, sardines. <laughs> that's what it is. So I, I, you know, I'll, you know, sardines over here, you know, me where, um, it's more film-based, more just uh, kind of, you know, vibes and just trying to understand rankings and tiers and making mistakes and trades where, you know, Leo can tell me I'm an idiot, but helping you kind of learn how to kind of build your dynasty rosters and ever evolving because I think the, the format is changing so much even now, like how running backs get valued and how you can build or how mix in, you know, it was a good buy last year. Maybe it's Jacobs, those type of things. So, you know, go check that out if you want. If not, don't worry about it. But that's where it is. The Rao YouTube channel. Um, and you can check it out Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Appreciate you guys so much. Everyone out there, if you're not already following Kevin Leo, you can find, follow Kevin at Du Bois underscore two two. And you can follow Leo at Sega underscore FF. As for our side of things, you can follow Skyler at DFF Buffalo. You can follow me at YB underscore FF. You can follow JWB at JWB underscore FF. As I said in the beginning of the show, if you're not subscribed yet, if you've enjoyed this show, if you've enjoyed any content we've done, please subscribe. It would mean the world to us. And in the description of this video, you will find the link to our free Discord where we've got tons of mock drafts going right now for Dynasty every single day. You can get jump into a bunch of mock drafts, get start preparing for startups. We have rookie mock drafts as well. You can find the link to our Patreon for all of our bonus content. If you're not an underdog yet and you want to start doing some best ball, you can find me in there and you can sign up with code JWB for a first time deposit match up to $100. I appreciate all of you and we'll see you next time.